So you guys have shown up on the lowest attended Sunday in most churches of the year. So usually the last Sunday of the year is the uh, time when the lead pastor, the senior pastor, is taking time off. And he says, hey, youth pastor or secondary pastor or just some random guy, you should come up and speak. And so it's usually really, really poorly attended. And so all over the country today, you know, you probably had second tier speakers up there. Um, and some churches just went ahead and skipped the service altogether. But I love taking the last Sunday of the year and looking back at what's going well and talking about what we're going to do in the future. And it's a time of celebrating what's happened and also getting excited about what's still to come. So what I did before I started uh, thinking about this message was, what did I say in 2017? Because we weren't having weekly services, but we were putting messages up online each week. And uh, I was just standing in my house and recording them. And so I went back and I said, what did I say at the last Sunday in December 2017? And first of all, that was a really boring sermon. I went back and listened to that. I was like, man, I was, it was really long. It was really boring. So I was like, first thing, don't do that this time. Uh, actually make it interesting. But I started uh, listening to some of the things I was saying. And what I said was, I had this quote in there. I said, we're between an army and an ocean, and we need God to part the ocean. And I guess I was talking about the Red Sea and Moses, and I'm like, that's a sea, not an ocean. What was I talking about? But what I was really talking about is we were meeting once a month at the Ardmore Music Hall. We couldn't afford to meet there every week. And I said, here's what needs to happen. In the next few months, we need to find a place where we can meet every week so that we can start weekly services by April. And I said, we brought in $18,000 this year. Next year, we need to bring in $30,000. And I said, I don't know how these things are going to happen unless God does it. And I said, we need God to do a miracle. And of course, you know some of the things that have happened here in 2018. Um, you know, at the beginning of this year in 2018, it was January and Darby and I were just down. We, we were at the Ardmore Music Hall each month. We couldn't afford to be there every week. Uh, even with their schedule, they couldn't have us be there every week. We were looking for another place. Darby and I sat down and we said, you know what, if this doesn't change, we're going to give up. And so we sat and set a date of February 20th, and we didn't tell anybody this, but we said, hey, we're just going to give up. Because if things don't change, I don't see any way that we can go forward. On February 20th is when Grace Chapel said we could start using this building here at the Rock. Yes. So you're standing in a miracle right now. So last year in December, yes. I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. And... We're standing in a miracle. You say, I don't believe there's a God. I don't think these things happen. Well, that's a weird coincidence then. A really, really weird coincidence that that happened. And then you know some of the other things that happened in 2018. We had an Easter egg hunt, which um, the township and the business association asked us to do. We didn't go and say, can our church put on a community Easter egg hunt? They said, hey, would you do this? You're really good at, your church is really good at loving the community. There were 500 people they estimate that showed up at that Easter egg hunt. And they've asked us to do it again. They said, your church did such a phenomenal job. We want you to do that again. And so we're doing an Easter egg hunt again. And you know, April 1st, we started weekly services right here at The Rock. And we've been having weekly services ever since. Most church plants, about 40% of church plants don't ever get to where they're having weekly services. We passed that hurdle, that's huge. You know also that in the summer, Chelsea got baptized. She's working tonight, but 
That was a huge thing to celebrate uh, for our church. The, um, we put in, our church serves in the community each month. And we put in stones all around across Lancaster Avenue, uh, through Bryn Mawr and parts of Haverford. And the business association loved us so much, they made us a headliner in their newsletter that they sent out to about 450 local businesses and community leaders saying, hey, our rising community church put these stones. We had a team come up, uh, that team there is from North Carolina, and they actually helped us put those in. And that was huge. I had the commissioner of our township call me and thank me for the work that we did as a church. And you say, now listen, we're just a little bitty church. We don't have a big impact. We're having an impact that churches that have been in this community for 200 years aren't having. Yes. I've had community leaders tell me, I wish every church was doing what you're doing. And so we're making an impact much greater than our size. And you know, in October, we had Gabe be baptized. We were so excited about that. It was a freezing cold day. It started to rain, so we were on the front porch. Um, I also had a picture I almost put in where Justin was boiling water and leaning out the window to put boiling water in there to keep it warm enough so Gabe wouldn't get pneumonia. Um, Justin, speaking of Justin, he led a small group this semester. When I first met Justin, if I had said, you're going to lead a small group, he would have said, shut up, get away from me, you know, like, be gone, Satan, you know, he would have been trying to get out of there. Justin does not like to lead things. He, he likes to be a behind-the-scenes person, and he did a great job leading. I was at their last meeting, and the students in that group, he led a young adult and college group, and they started sharing about what they had learned and what Jesus had taught them and what Justin and Chelsea had taught them through their time there. And I was just amazed at how well he did that. Um, so that's a huge thing. I was asked to be on the board of the Mainline Arts Center. And I said, that's a $5,000 buy-in. I can't be on your board. And they said, oh, we're going to waive that. We love the way that you love the community and you understand the community. We want you to be on our board. So I'm sitting around with people from Yale and Princeton and Harvard, and I'm this guy with just a Bible college and seminary degree, and I'm part of this board because they say, your church loves the community in such a way that we're atheists and we don't believe anything like you, but we know that you love the community in a unique way. And then you remember at the end of summer, Kyle Vaught, my friend uh, who from back in Tennessee, I had invited him up to speak, and after he spoke, he said, you know what, God's doing something in my life. I don't know where he's leading me or what he's calling me to do, but God was clearly telling me something when I spoke that I need to speak again, that he's going to use me in some type of ministry. He's going to use me in some way I didn't expect. And then, most recently, you'll notice we don't have anybody here from Grace Chapel keeping an eye on us. They gave us keys to the building. That's a huge miracle. Praise if you had told me December of 2017, hey, Alex, are you going to have keys to a place where you get to meet and you can come and go as you please? I'd say that's impossible. That's never going to happen. That's crazy talk. That's God talk. That's the type of stuff that God does. See, God was incredibly faithful to our church in 2018. And you know what? I don't think God's going to change in 2019. He's going to be just as faithful next year as he was this year. God's not going to stop being God. That's his MO. That's his standard, uh, standard operating procedure. His basic practice is miracles. That's what he does. And that's a good thing because a church plant requires an exponentially greater series of miracles to survive. And so we've seen miracles and now we need more miracles. Most church plants that reach sustainability by their end of their first year 
of meeting weekly for services. So that would be April 1st for us, the first week of April. Those people are averaging between 40 and 50 people. We're not there. We're not at that average. Most of them are bringing in about five to $6,000 a month. It was a huge jump for us to where we brought in $30,000 this year. I said last year we need a jump from bringing in $18,000 to $30,000, and I thought, we're never going to do that. That's never going to happen. Uh, there's no way that's going to happen. We're at $29,647 currently. I feel strongly by the end of the year, we're going to be right at that $30,000 that I thought we could never, ever bring in in a year. And so when I start talking about, man, we need to be averaging 40 and 50 people, we need to be bringing in between five dollars and $6,000 a year. I mean, this is a jump from you know, $30,000 to $60,000 we need to be bringing in in order to stay here in this community. It seems impossible in December. But looking back to last December, everything I said then looked impossible. Yes. And we have a God who does the impossible. See, it may be daunting to think about how far we need to go, but we need to look at how far we've come. We've come a really long way. Yes. And God loves to bring his people to a place where it seems like everything's impossible. He loves to bring them to those places to remind them that he is all-powerful. Remember, the cross looked like the biggest defeat in history, and the cross was the greatest victory in history. God defeated death and sin and hell so that we might know him and have eternal life. And there's things where we look at them and we say, these are too big, there's no way this can ever happen. And we need to stop looking at how big our problems and issues and how big our goals are and start looking at how big our God is. Our God's a lot bigger than our problems and our issues and our goals that seem impossible. God has brought us through impossible things in the past, and he'll bring us through impossible yes. things in the future. And that's not just for our church. That's for you individually. God has brought you through some stuff in the past that while you were in the middle of it, you thought, I'll never get through this, and you did. And he's going to bring you through some things in the future that you might be in presently, which you yes. think, I'll never get through this. You know, a few months ago, we had a combined service with another church plant, and I had a couple people, there were several people who came up to me afterwards, and they said, well, Alex, you did a really good job of getting people here today. You did a really good job of filling this place up today. And I told them, I was like, well, actually, no. This is another church plant that came in with us, and so these people really aren't here for us. You know, we're just having a joint service day. Um, but I, I think that reveals something. Most of the time, we think that the, my job is to get people if the church is going to grow, that's Alex's job. If we're going to get more people, if we're going to reach these goals, Alex better do it. Well, I'm just going to tell you right now, if it's only my job, it's not going to happen. I can't do it. It's too big for me, but it's not too big for us. It's too big for me. I can't do it, but we can. Together with God, we can do what's impossible for one person. We have a big obstacle, but Jesus is so much bigger than our obstacle. Jesus is so much bigger than anything that stands in our way. And I'm going to talk in just a minute about the two major things I think we can do in 2019 uh, for our church to reach sustainability, but also for us, I think, to live in a more abundant life as we pursue Christ. I want you to have the best year you've ever had in 2019. And I want Horizon to have the best year it's ever had in 2019. I want our community and our city to have the best year it has ever had. I want us to be a church that starts more churches. 
I want us to be a church that changes culture. I want us to be a church that changes the way people in our community think about church. I want us to live and love like Jesus so much that when people think of us, they're like, I don't know, they say they're a church, but it's so weird. It's so unlike any other church I've seen. I want to be a part of it even if I don't like churches. But I can't do it alone. We have to do it together. And that also applies to your life. The thing that you're facing, the obstacles that you're facing, humans are meant to live in community and work through issues in community. We love to try to be independent in the West, in America. We want to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and say, I did this. It was all on me. When we insist in getting all the praise and trying to do everything by ourselves, we also deal with all the stress ourselves. When we share it among people, when we share our burdens with people, when we share the responsibility with people, it eliminates the stress because it's shared over multiple people. Um, you know, if you ever try to carry something really heavy by yourself, you quickly realize, well, this is horrible. Have you ever just picked something up and even though you could handle that much weight, it was so unwieldy, you couldn't do it by yourself? We need each other. If we're gonna reach these goals, we need God and we need to work together. And that's the same thing in your personal life. And so as I started thinking about, so what do I share? What, what should be our focus in 2019? I went to a letter in the book of Galatians. Now, Paul started four churches in this region of Asia called Galatia around 49 AD. So this is about 20 years after Jesus rose from the dead. And shortly after starting these churches, maybe in as little as a year, so they're probably about us, we're about eight months old from our launch date, uh, he wrote them this letter. And I think this is impactful to us. These were to new churches, these little churches that he had started and then left. In Galatians 6, verses 7 through 10, it says this, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, that's what they'll reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. The one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So don't get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Yes. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of every person, especially those who belong to the household of faith. I love that Paul starts out and he says, you can't trick God. If you plant blueberries, it doesn't grow almonds. You know, every once in a while, Darby did some gardening this year, and something would sprout up, and she's like, how'd that get in there, you know? And there were squirrels on our back porch, and they were carrying seeds from the tomato plant, and they would eat them over here in this other bed, and then a tomato plant would grow. But you know what? That tomato plant never grew uh, blueberries, or never grew strawberries. You can't trick God. What you plant is what you grow. There's a cause and effect to what we do and how we do things. We can't expect people to show up if we don't build relationships and invite people. We can't expect a harvest if we don't plant seeds. You know, earlier in this year, we talked about prayer. And I think nothing is going to happen unless it's started or prefaced with people praying and asking God. But we don't pray for people to come. We, we pray and then we invite people to come. Prayer doesn't excuse an action. It equips us for our action to be effective. And I think sometimes we get frustrated and we, we wonder, like, why aren't things happening faster? Why don't we see things happening? And the reality is that different environments require different lengths of time for the same plants to grow. So I looked this up online, and did you know that a parsnip usually reaches maturity in 14 days? Anybody eat parsnips? Does anybody know what a parsnip is? 
I don't know how to look it up. Um, so they usually reach maturity in 14 days. But did you know that in a cold environment, they can take 172 days to mature? Same plant, same fruit, same result, different environment, radically different lifespan, radically different growth. And so I don't think our church is doing anything wrong. I think we're doing everything right. I think we're in a cold environment, and that means some things are going to grow slower, and they're going to mature slower. Does that mean that we say, well, that parsnip's been taking 100 days. Let's dig it up and plant corn. No, we just keep doing what we're doing, and we faithfully wait for God to bring the fruit. Environment affects how quickly plants come to fruit, and I think the spiritual environment of where we are affects how quickly we grow. Yeah. And that's just a reality. That doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong. That doesn't mean that God isn't faithful. We've seen God be faithful in 2018. That list, I scaled down to just those highlights because it kept getting longer and longer as I started thinking about all that God had done in 2018. You look down next at verse 8, and he says, you can either sow to the flesh or you can sow to the spirit. And I think there's ultimately two ways for us to live our lives. We can either live in such a way that we feed our selfish desires, or we live in such a way that we do what God wants. Those are really the only two ways to live. And I think there's a lot of people in North America who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, but I basically live for myself and my desires and not for Jesus and his desires. I call these people consumer Christians. Consumer Christians are interested in what people, what the church, what God is going to do for them. They're like, God, don't ask me to do anything. You exist to serve me. People exist to serve me. The church exists to serve me. They ask, will this meet my needs? Will this meet my desires? Will this be like what I want? A disciple of Jesus is not like a consumer Christian. A disciple of Jesus says, how can I live and love like Jesus and who can I teach to live and love like Jesus? The last words that Jesus said to his disciples before he left the earth was this. Go everywhere and make disciples, students of the way that I lived and loved. Carrie Newhoff says, consumer Christianity isn't about what you bring to the mission. It's about what you can squeeze out of the mission of Jesus Christ. See, a disciple sees themselves strategically placed for other people's good, not for their comfort. A disciple says, I've been strategically placed in my workplace. I've been strategically placed in my community. I've been strategically placed on my neighborhood and in my home. I've been strategically placed by God to serve people, to do good so that I can build relationships and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. A disciple says, how can I look more like Jesus Christ on how I can get more comfortable or safe? If you say, I want to be a consumer Christian, I want this church to see, serve me, and meet my needs, then this probably isn't the church for you. Because this church is and is always going to be about equipping people to be disciples and make disciples. That means we're not going to have some of the things that you'd like or some of the things that you enjoy. We're going to keep our focus very simple and straightforward on becoming and making disciples. Because I believe that Jesus can do more with 12 disciples than he can with 100 consumer Christians. Yes. I think that Jesus can do more with 12 disciples than he can 1,000 consumer Christians or 10,000 consumer Christians. Because we could get a whole bunch of Christians together and say, hey, what makes everybody feel good and what makes everybody happy? That's never going to change the world. But if we have disciples 
People who say they've been strategically placed in this world to bring Jesus into those places. That will change our community, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our families, and the world. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, I think this is the place for you. We want to equip you to do that, and we want to encourage you to teach other people to do that. If you say, hey, I just want a place where I can have my needs met, there's plenty of churches around that I can recommend to you that do a great job at that. See, there's lots of churches trying to give consumer Christians whatever they want, whatever will get them to show up. What we're trying to do here at Horizon, what defines us is we're trying to build meaningful relationships with people far away from God. We're trying to invite people to live and love like Jesus because I literally think that's the best life for us. I don't want to check a card and say, oh good, you joined the church, awesome. That makes me feel good. I think it's the best way to live and it uh, lets you in on the most abundant life you can have. In verse 9, we see here that God is faithful. It says, don't let us get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. I wish God's timing was my timing. You ever wish this? Like I'll ask God something for it and I'm like, just give it to me now. Amazon now, I love it, being near Philadelphia, they'll get something to my door same day a lot of times. And I'm like, this is awesome. I click the button, there's a knock on my door a few hours later, and I have it. I'm like, this is, this is a problem. <laughs> like, now I can get things too easily. The other problem I have is I live next door to a Wawa, and Amazon delivers same day, and I live next door to a Wawa, I have no money. Like, I'm fat, and I have, you know, easy access to Amazon and Wawa, and I have no money. But you notice here that God doesn't reward them for being frugal, being like scarcity, like we have to hold on to all our resources because we have so little, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? And he doesn't reward them for being flashy, for having a big show. He rewards them for being faithful, for not giving up. God rewards them for doing the right thing regardless of feelings or results. Are we going to fundamentally change how Horizon approaches the idea of church? No. We're going to double down on how Horizon approaches church. Because I think we're like the parsnips in a cold environment. And we're approaching the full, uh, the full growth period that happens in a cold environment. We're not going to dig up the parsnips and try something different. Because then we'd have to wait 150 days for them to grow. We're doubling down on the same simple church model that we've always used. Horizon focuses on three things. Sunday services, small groups, and discipleship groups. I think that the crops are growing. I think that if you look at 2018, obviously God is growing things. God is producing spiritual change. He's producing exciting things. I always wish we were growing faster and that our reach was farther, but we're making headways into the community. I had a lady in the community, she's an atheist, she pulled me aside the other day, she goes, you're the first church people think of around here. I'm like, what? We're the smallest church around here, you know? And she said, because of the way that you love and the way that people who encounter you and the way that you serve in the community at the food pantry and with the civic association, with the business association and that community events, the way that you do these things, people don't think of these big churches, they think of your church. How can we have that impact? Well, that's this Holy Spirit building us a firm foundation because of what he's about to do. Yes. I just almost fell over. That would have been the best <laughs> sermon ever. You guys would have been like, man, he is drunk up there tonight. 
We're seeing lives change. The crops in this environment just take longer to germinate than in other environments. But God is working. God is moving. And we're not going to dig up what we've already planted because we're about to have a harvest. And you see here in verse 10, he says, Therefore, as you have opportunity, let us work for the good of all people, especially those who belong to the household of faith. I believe that people aren't going to listen to what you have to say until they know that you love them. If people know that you love them, that you genuinely care about them, that you just don't want to check boxes or get them to pray some prayers, but you genuinely want them to live a great life, you want them to be successful, you're for them, you're not against them, they'll listen to anything you have to say. See, I think people change through relationships with other people, not through sermons or services or programs. I could preach all day, but if I didn't build a relationship with you, it would do little. Most people forget what you say, but they remember how you make them feel. And what Jesus has invited us to do is to make disciples, to build relationships with people as he built a relationship with us so that he can have a relationship with them. Dehati Lewis, a church planner in Atlanta, Georgia, he said this, the apologetic of our time is authenticity. And sometimes people tell me, they're like, hey, I'm really good at apologetics. And most of the time, what I find is we have intellectual answers to questions that no one is asking. People are asking emotional questions, and they want someone who's going to come alongside with them and enter into their grief with them. They want to see that you're not a Christian just because you believe a certain statement of belief. They want to know that you're a Christian because Jesus has changed the way that you live and love. If they see that, they're interested in what you have to say. The gospel moves at the speed of trust, and until we build trust with people, they won't care about our church or what we say we believe or we're about. If we serve people and love people and intentionally talk about the beauty of Jesus, about who he is and how he treated people, how he lived and loved, and how he invites us to live his same life, this will be compelling to people. This will change so what's our application? We've talked about this, this growing metaphor. What should we be sowing? What should we, we be planting in 2019? And first of all, I think we should do good, just as he said. When we serve people, when we love people, it builds trust with people. And then we can share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Before someone comes to church, they're probably going to come to a small group. Before someone comes to a small group, they're probably going to come into our home or share a meal with us or go out and share a coffee with us. Build relationships with people far away from God and be a friend to them. Don't be like, hey, I'm going to pretend to be your friend so I can tell you about Jesus. No, truly care about them and care so much that you want them to know about Jesus because Jesus transforms your life. So first of all, we need to do good. And this might look very simply in your life. It might be something like this. Once a week, I'm going to have a meal with someone far away from God. I'm going to build a relationship, a friendship with someone far away from God. And I'm going to naturally talk about Jesus because he's an important part of my life. <coughs> and then second of all, what we need to do in 2019 is we need to make disciples. Jesus told us to go everywhere and to teach everyone to be a student of the way that he lived and loved. Who is discipling you? And who are you discipling? If you don't have an answer to that, get some of it. Who is teaching you to be a student of the way that Jesus lived and loved? And who are you teaching? Now, you say, Alex, nobody needs to be teaching me. I know everything, so I don't need to be taught. I love what Eugene Peterson said. In the company of Jesus, we're all beginners. We're all students. 
So it's not that someone's coming in and saying, I've got it figured out. Let me show you how to be a student of Jesus. You say, let's learn together because I'm still learning through life just like you are. Let's see how do you think Jesus would act in this situation? How do you think that he would love these people in this situation? And you learn to become a student of the way that Jesus lived and loved. And Jesus has empowered, have promised us that if we say, Jesus, rescue me, save me, because I'm not good enough on my own to live the life that you live. He promised to empower us with his Holy Spirit so that we can live and love like he did, so we can treat people like he did. As I look ahead to 2019, I know that God's not done being the best is still to come. We've seen some miracles happen here on the horizon. That when I look back and I listen to some of the things I said in that December 2017 video, and I was like, man, we've got to find a new place to meet by February or March. That's exactly what we did. We've got to start services at Easter because after that comes the summer. We started on Easter. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, how is this happening? Is Alex just that good at predicting the future? Trust me, I'm not. If I was, I'd be down there playing the lotto more often. You know, I'm like, gotta get that. I know the future. I'm going to get these numbers right. I don't. God is on the move. Jesus is on the move. One of my favorite books when I was a kid was The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. And there was this Christ-like figure, this lion named Aslan in it. And the characters would get real excited, these uh, creatures in this land called Narnia. And they'd say, Aslan is on the move. And it'd still be winter time, and everything would still look like a mess. But they started sharing, they'd be like, Aslan is on the move, Aslan is on the move. And eventually you start to see where he's moving. And he's been working the whole time, but then you start to see it. He's been moving the whole time. And Jesus is on the move. And he may use our church, and I know he'll use other churches, but he's on the move, and he's not going to be stopped. And he's not going to be stopped by our disbelief or our disobedience. He's moving. The question is, are we going to get moving with him? Yes. I'm so excited to have my family here tonight, and so I'm going to ask my sister to come up and pray a prayer for Horizon in 2019. Give her a good round of applause. Okay, let's pray. Lord God Almighty, I just thank you so much that um, everything that you've done, not only in my life, not only in my family's life, but Lord, here at Horizon Community Church. And God, looking back at all the things that my brother and sister-in-law weren't sure if you were going to answer or if things were going to happen or what the end result was going to be. But we're standing here today, and like my brother said, a miracle. And God, we thank you so much for the miracles that you constantly do. The small ones we see every day and the big ones we see looking back throughout the year. And God, I just pray, Lord, as this church steps into 2019, that you will do even more amazing things, that you will blow these people's minds away with everything that you're going to do and everything you're going to do in the future. And God, I pray, Lord, that you'll bring lost souls in here, not for number glory, not for my brother's glory, but God, for your ultimate glory. And I pray, Lord, that lives will be changed that they will see so many um, lives changed through you, through discipleship, through this church, through baptism. And God, we leave today, tonight, um, believing that you are going to make a difference, that you will continue to use Horizon Community Church. And I pray, Lord God, as we step out here, that we will use our 2019 year 
to worship and glorify you, to be a witness not only here in the um, surrounding Philly area, but Lord in Tennessee where I live. And I just pray, O oh Lord, that you will give us the strength, the wisdom, and the words to say to impact people around us. And we ask, O oh Lord, that we will be, everyone here tonight, will be a light to someone this year. Use us in an amazing way and use this church in an amazing way. In your holy, precious 